nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Kareem Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Welcome to the Managing Madrid podcast. We're recording this shortly after Real Madrid's 4-2 win over Granada. And joining me, Kian Sobani, to break down this game is Om Arvind. Om, how you doing? Um, I'm doing good. We won. That's always a good thing. Um, but breaking this game down, that's a tough ask. Uh, but I'm sure we can handle it. But this is one of those games where you know, it's it's not your typical tactical game. It was very end-to-end, super high energy. I mean, it was, I mean, really, it was just extremely chaotic, especially in that first half. And it was fun to watch, but also it was like, you know, to what extent, you know, can you really describe what was going on? Um, but the, the good thing is we have a lot of experience um, doing this podcast and covering games like this over the few, over the past few years. Um, where we have games like this that that don't make too much sense. Um, that sometimes there are like I don't know once a month or so I'd say, maybe maybe less. There are games that are tough to write my reaction because it's it's one of those games that there's so much going on at the end and there's so much chaos that you either have to watch or write, and doing both at the same time is difficult. And there's both team or both teams are kind of going at each other. This the result is kind of still in limbo. Those are tough to write. I felt that way today. So it, it kind of made less sense as the game wore on, right? When it by halftime, I think we're all pretty clear that this was this was a good performance against a team newly promoted, but one of the most informed teams in the league. Obviously, have already beaten Barcelona this season. They have some good players. They're well managed. Um, Real Madrid have have lost games to smaller teams before. Uh, or at least drop points. So, you know, I, I suppose in a lot of ways anything was on the table, although Real Madrid were favorites in this game. Um, we can talk about the starting lineup. Fede Valverde gets a start. Um, with Zidane seems to to like that, like him in the midfield three. Um, he's a bit more advanced this game, but kind of generally speaking, he's he started to like putting him there instead of instead of a James when you know when we're missing a midfielder. And then the biggest question mark was probably the left-back slot, where no Marcelo, no Mendy, no Nacho. I was almost convinced it was going to be something much less unconventional than we thought. Like, I saw people putting out, like, Bale as left-back or 3-5-2. I thought the safe thing would have been, would have just to put Carvajal there or, or Militao there, maybe, or something like that. Nothing too crazy. Um, in the end, I think Carvajal played that role pretty well. So, mm-hmm. and I guess off the... Off the off the bat, were you surprised at Carvajal left back, or you were pretty pretty much open to, to anything that happens there? And you were you 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 saw uh, it. Coming? I don't know if I saw it coming, but it's something I wanted to happen. Um, Carvajal has played like a couple times, just maybe two or three times, I think, early on in the Zidane era there, and he looked pretty good. And like Carvajal just has this like when he's on form, he just has this sauce 
that other that other fullbacks in the world don't. So like I feel pretty comfortable because like the big thing is when like you're playing like with a, a wrong-footed fullback on the other side is like how are they going to be under pressure? How are they going to play the ball around? And with Carvajal, I'm comfortable with his technical ability. He's like you know in like the 99th percentile in terms of like technical technical ability under pressure, his distribution, etc. So like I'm comfortable with him there and. I personally think that like he hasn't been perfect, but I, I think he's been experiencing a rise in form steadily this season. Um, I know some people disagree with me, but I think especially on the ball, he's been very influential. So I, I wanted to see that, especially seeing that like Nacho just doesn't seem to be his old self. Um, so yeah, that was that was something that I definitely wanted and I was I was pleasantly I don't know if I was pleasantly surprised, but I was happy to see Zidane play him there. Um, and he had a good game. This is, I wouldn't say it's like a complete Carvajal redemption tour this season, but I'd say he's played yeah. pretty well overall. Um, mm-hmm. I think a couple of his bad performances were probably overblown, although he wasn't good in those games either. So it's not like the criticism was unjustified. He wasn't good last season um, relative to, to what we know, what he's capable of. And that is on his day, in the 16-17 season, he was arguably the best right back in the world. Today... I what I liked is like it was kind of we saw some of the same sequences as we did with Sevilla where he gets himself into good pass into good shooting positions, goal scoring positions, and he's not a finisher obviously and doesn't really take those chances well. Although he was saved and denied on 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 all of them, um, I think just getting himself into those positions was impressive because they all started by him winning the ball around the halfway line and then instead of staying there, he he moves up into the box and acts as an outlet and gets the ball back. And Ole Drizola, by the way, was like this too. Like that during that entire flurry um, towards the end where Ole Drizola was really involved, he was winning the ball and then pass and move sequence, pass and move, gets into the box, squares it to somebody. Uh, so it was, it's it, to me, it's a clear design um, by Zidane to make sure that the fullbacks do that. If they get the ball kind of around the midfield, they, they dart back in without the ball into the box and the, the defense can't deal with it because they're they're dealing with overloads. They're they're outnumbered, and both Carvajal and Rodrigo could have you know pounced on some chances. So I, I like Carvajal in this game. Um, how do you? I'm trying to figure out how to tackle this game. Really, um, I think yeah, like I think you just have to start with the goal. The the Benzema goal. I guess it makes sense because it was so early too. Uh, bail outside right. of the boot. Always gorgeous when he does it. I thought this one went to another level today because it curved. Like really around two three players, and it's so difficult to pick out Ben's in that situation. But he did it so nonchalantly. Um, it was just it was just spectacular. Yeah, I couldn't believe. Like it took me three seconds to like start celebrating because I couldn't. I honestly couldn't believe that he found Benzema in that position because like there, I think okay, we missed our chance because it was a counter attack down the right wing. After Granada were appealing for handball, like I think, like at least five of their players were appealing instead of defending. So we went down the right wing. And I thought, oh, we missed our chance there. And then Bale finds him, and I just I couldn't believe it for a couple of seconds. It was an amazing pass. Um, but yeah, I think that's the right place to start. Start just not just because you know it was the first real moment of the game. It was a brilliant piece of skill from Bale, but because I think it essentially defined the entire first half because. It completely knocked, you know, Granada off their rhythm. Mm. Like at least four or five times throughout the game, like the camera would zoom in on the player or the coach, 
and they'd be like gesturing at each other calm down they'd be pointing to their heads like we got to think like they just they just could not relax and play their own game through that entire half after that goal and I think that played a large part in in kind of like the chaos and you know our own good performance that came that entire first half and I think we capitalized that on capitalized that really well because you can only play you know the opponent put in front of you in Granada Obviously, we were really good up until that point. But after that goal, I thought they were extremely poor. I mean, they could barely string two or three passes together coming out from the back. They they were constantly miscommunicating. And we took advantage. We pressed high with Benzema, Hazard, and Bale on the center backs. And when they tried to play out to the fullbacks, Kroos and Valverde would come out really aggressively and compress things on the wing. And whenever they tried to play through the center to one of their advanced central midfielders... Kroos and Valverde would be man-marking them really tightly. And we, we pretty much, I think, every single one of our key chances in that first half, bar the Valverde header, came from a transition opportunity after Granada gave the ball away. And I think all of those came from dispossessions in midfield, bar our, our, our first goal, which came like when they were appealing for Ramos' handball. So I think that's what defined the first half, and that's why it was so chaotic. It was... Granada being completely knocked off their rhythm, not being able to pass the ball around at all, and then our defensive scheme essentially kind of, you know, leaping onto that, taking advantage of it, and, you know, scoring two goals off of that in the first half. Yeah, and so this performance was much more in line with the the three, three out of the four previous games, which the Club Rouge game, really that first half was the anomaly uh, among all of these games. Um, where it fell into line with the Atleti Sevilla-Sasuna game and that defensively they were they were great for the majority of the game, um, bar those, that little wave at the end from Granada, which Zidane said like, look, like you can dominate the whole game, and, but every every team will have a little run against you. Um, but I think like overall they defended well. <clears throat> As you said, the coverage was good. Even Odrizola, any time like he, he went forward and he wasn't there to cover, it was Casemiro and... Uh, and Varane mopped up that side really well, and they they closed the attacks on the flank. Audrey Zola himself like was tracking back uh, on a couple of occasions where, once he has like, he's ab- he's able to read it, and someone has to rely on pace to get by him. They have no chance against him. So those were all encouraging signs from Audrey Zola too for me. Kroos, until he got injured, was great. Um, remarkable that he still had the most key passes on the team, or no one had more than him anyway. Um, and he left early in the first half. Um, also like Real Madrid's passing out of the back was actually quite good like Granada a couple of times they just broke because um, of some really nice sequences especially down that right flank where um, where Hazard would drop back to, to kind of combine with with Odrizola and Bale and they would they would sometimes swap flanks and, and they, they really were able to move, move the ball up the pitch pretty efficiently um, I think one standout for me, apart from what we've already talked about, by the way, Benzema's uh, he's six goals, so I think he's tied with Moreno and Moron uh, with the with the league goal scoring charts. I, I want to say about Benzema, he also took he takes a lot of shots to get his goals, and that's fine. Um, his conversion rate isn't isn't necessarily as good as the, the aforementioned players in that list. But if Real Madrid get help for him offensively, this team will be will be fine. Um, 
too many games this season. Just we weren't getting scoring output from the midfield. Obviously, this is Hazard's first goal of the season. Bale is still one of the most underrated crossers in world football, if you ask me. So I'm okay if he doesn't score, if he's seeing crosses like that, that are efficient. Um, but the biggest difference in this game, home to me, was, and we're kind of jumping ahead here, but goals from the midfield from Modric. James scoring his first goal since returning. Um, and all of a sudden, and and all of a sudden, you have all of this output outside of Benzema, which is what this team has been missing for so long. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a good sign, um, but I don't. I I don't know how much that will hold up over the course of the season. If, if we're talking about like Hamas, I think that's why we we have to find a way to play him because we know Hamas is that you know high production player. With Hazard, I really don't know what what's coming. You know, I mean, I I mean, I'll stick kind of with my like previous prediction, which is that you know. You know, Hazard is Hazard, right? Like, he focuses on creating, he focuses on ball progression, and he'll pitch in with some goals. But it's not going to be any anything revolutionary, and it's not going to add that much to the team in terms of his... I mean, his overall play will add much to the team, but in terms specifically of his goal scoring, I don't think it will. Um, but Hamas, Hamas definitely will, because if you think about any player he replaces in midfield, the net goals he'll add will be quite significant. Like... Modric, I don't know how many like poor long-range beauties he's going to score like that. Hopefully, a lot. It's probably going to be like maybe max two or three more this season. Whereas with Hamas, if he plays regularly, you know you're getting like a 15 to 20 goal player in all competitions, which vastly out you know overshadows anything that are any of our other midfield options can produce. And so when I saw Valverde starting for this game, I have to admit I wasn't happy about it. Um just thinking about how the game would go on because Granada, you know, they got into the position they are in the table, not through their offense. They're a pretty mediocre offense, but defensively, they're quite good. Um, they're very organized. They defend well in a medium block. They stagger their lines in midfield so to make it difficult to play between the lines. Um, and I just thought, well, Valverde, from what I understand of him so far with all the sample size I've seen of him is... He's not the greatest ball progressor, but he's, you know, he's really high energy. He's box to box. He's decent carrying the ball and he's good defensively. And when you're next to Kroos and Casemiro, I just thought, well, you need someone to break lines. You need someone to be more advanced. You need someone to be more creative. But the way the game turned out, especially because I think of the first goal, it ended up being the perfect environment for Valverde. So like the creator was not, you know, that one individual, you know, who kind of plays as like the, the the creative hook for the team, but the creator was this chaotic environment with people like Valverde winning 50-50 duels and sparking transitions and, you know, carrying the ball in tight spaces. Like the first goal I think was Valverde, you know, he he showed off his press resistance against three players and then launched the ball off, out to the right flank. And then for Hazard's goal, you know, we, he won the ball, you know, juggled it over a couple of players and then sent Hazard forward. So th- I think this type of environment shows like this is what Valverde can give us. And this is the type of environment where I think he offers something that none of the other central midfielders do. But uh, moving forward, in my opinion, you know, the likes of James probably should be starting over him, especially if, you know, we, we come up against like a defense that has the opportunity to be organized and sit a bit deeper. I don't know if Valverde would offer as much. Uh, I want to talk 
about Valverde in a second, but I just want to bring this back uh, to Jaime's really quickly and Hazard and scoring. I just want to point out that Hazard has outscored Jaime's in almost every single season of of both their careers. So I don't the idea that he can't Hazard can't contribute like fifteen twenty goals a season. I still think he is that player. I I suppose like the start of the season to I'm more as surprised as any um, that he's been so slow because I've been so high on him um, and was so blown away by his performances last season. Um, also, I he needed that goal badly today because if you were to point out one person who was underperforming from the team, I think it was him. Um, heavy touches, bad passing, body language looked off, didn't look confident, even in the second half after he got his goal, still didn't, still didn't look 100% right. But the goal was good. Um, I just... I just think that like if you get him going, he's a fifteen to twenty goal per season guy in all competitions. And I'm, I'm I count I me on the Hamas hype train. By the way, I don't disagree with the Hamas part, but I think I think Hazard can absolutely give you that tally. No, I I agree with that. Hazard will probably score more goals than Hamas. My point is like net contribution. So like if you count the goals that Hazard will score for the people he's replacing, I think the net contribution will be. You know, less. You know, compared to to what Hamas's net contribution would be, because Hamas is replacing players who simply just hardly score at all. Who are deeper in midfield. Um, and I think, yeah, yeah, because Hamas, from what we've seen when playing for Zidane, is he's going to probably be playing in midfield. And if he's replacing one of Valverde, Kroos, Modric, his net contribution is just going to be that much higher because he's replacing players that don't score a lot, whereas Hazard is replacing attackers. And so that's where I think like our net contribution will be the largest, though I think you know Hazard, I would be surprised if Hazard does not score more goals than Hamas. That would be really disappointing. Um, you know, we obviously, like you mentioned, like he has not started well this season, which I did not expect at all. Um, you know, whether it's fitness issues or, well, it probably is fitness issues, but also the fact that he he's not familiar with his teammates or not. Once he gets over this, which, you know, he will, like I feel confident in saying that for someone of Hazard's quality, he will contribute goals. But I don't know if it would be, you know, like I was saying, net contribution, I don't know if it would be necessarily higher than Hamas and whether that 15 to 20 is going to be enough to like take that load off Benzema enough. Um because Benzema currently is scoring at a rate much higher than his expected goals, which is hanging around like the 0.5 range, which is like last season. So he's he's on a hot finishing streak. He's shooting a lot, but you know the total quality of those shots are still more like a goal every other game rather than a goal every game, which is pretty much the rate he's scoring at. So yeah, I mean, that's something to look out for. And I do hope we find a way to get Bill more involved with the shots. Like, I'm happy he's creating those opportunities, but I do feel like at some point, you know, he's got to get in on the goals as well. Otherwise, you know, it's going to be tough for Benzema. The problem with Bill, I think, is like he's like a very much a heat check guy who he, he'll have waves of scoring and he'll go like two, three games scoring, you know, in succession and then he won't score for another month. Then I'll come back, go through another wave. In the end, his his numbers add up and they're impressive. But like, I I do want to see him score more consistently. I agree. There are games where he is a prolific shooter. Like I think it was was it the Sevilla game where he had a bunch of shots that went outside. Um, they went out wide and they were over the bar. Um, 
Modric, by the way, this is this is an interesting stat. I don't know if you know this, but he scored 18 Real Madrid goals, and 14 of them have been outside the box. It's pretty. Yeah, pretty I mean that's. I guess it makes sense when you f- figure the fact that he's not the kind of player who arrives in the box and tries to meet crosses yeah. or gets in. So you know he's always he's always outside. Um, really good shooter though. Zidane said after the game that um, he wishes that Modric would shoot more often because he's such a good good shooter of the ball. Um, Bale Hazard. He's, oh, uh, the Fetty. Um, what I like about him. So he has this one trait that he's he he's so good at getting the Bernabeu riled up and excited just because his energy is just so frenetic. And there will be sequences where he will run the entire length of the pitch and and then in like within five seconds he's on he's on he's on like the other side of the half winning the ball. There were a few instances in this game where I don't know if there's a word for it, um stick to itiveness. I don't know if that's a real word. I've heard people say it, so I'm gonna say it. But the first Real Madrid's second goal. The I've never heard that word before. Really? I've heard it somewhere. I don't know where. <laughs> I don't know if it was by anyone legitimate. Um, but maybe it's a word. I don't know. But the second goal that Real Madrid scored, he wins the ball. He has a couple of nice touches. He gets it over the. Um, he gets it over the Granada pl- player, and then the ball gets away from him. It's easy to just stop there and just get back and be like, okay, I lost possession. Let me just cut off the passing lane. But he keeps going, and he and by the time the Granada player gets the ball, it's it's clear that Fedez just blocked his all of his options off. He can't really do anything unless he just kicks it out of bounds. So he tries to get a pass, Fede, and Fede intercepts it and then plays that ball to Hazard. I like Fede in this game. I think he's, uh, I think his passing still needs some work. I don't think his passing was good against Atleti um, while he did everything else pretty pretty well. Uh, I think in this game his passing could have been a little bit better, but he created that hazard goal, and he has these moments where he can release players down the flank. Um, I'm impressed with his if any if 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 nothing else his his work rate and his ability to win possession and give the team a lot of energy. I really liked his presence today. Um, obviously, had that chance you spoke of earlier in the podcast that that header, um, which. You know he probably should have done better, but I guess he wasn't expecting and expecting it to be so, to, so expecting it to be so free. Zidane said after the game that he just loves how much ground he covers, which I think is covering ground can be a dangerous thing if it's aimless. But in some ways, I I really liked like the way he covered it today. I don't know if you yeah, have anything I, else to add about but Valverde, but I mean, just I think try to sum up what I how I see him as a player. Um, because we we've said a lot of things, but I think basically we're we're like overlapping in agreement in that like I think he very much is that box to box type player. I like I do feel comfortable kind of categorizing him in that with high energy, very good work rate. You know, I I think he is strong defensively. Um, you know, not just because of his work rate. I think he's good in duels. You know, both technically and physically. And I think he is he he's he's good carrying the ball, you know, in tight spaces and you know bursting forward. I do have question marks over his ball progression and his creative ability, which does matter given the midfield we have, um, and you know the lack of heavy goal scoring options up front. 
which is why, you know, I hesitate. You know, I, I mean, people are always going to get excited when, when, when they see a young player perform like this. I totally understand it, especially since it's, you know, this was like Valverde's game. Like, this was the Valverde game for the first time he's been at Real Madrid where we just all sat back and were like, wow, this kid is good. And so, you know, people are obviously going to get excited about that and, you know, saw some comments that were like, you know, we don't need Pogba now that we have this kid playing. You know, I, I don't know about that. I think Valverde acquitted himself well today, but the likes of Pogba are on another level, especially what they can offer in the final third for us, which is something that, you know, we really need at the moment. And which is why, you know, after Zidane was like, Hamas get out, played him extensively, you know, in midfield until he essentially got injured. So, yeah, I mean... Good player. I think he's going to prove to be very good depth this season. But, uh, yeah, I, I want to see more from him on the creative front and his ability to progress the ball against organized defenses. He's an interesting player. I'm, I'm curious to know what you think his best position is. And maybe it's too early to say because he's not a ball carrier like Kovacic. He's not a pass a genius passer like Anisko. Um, he's not a prolific creator and someone who can generate a bunch of offense like James. He's not an anchor like a Casemiro or a Busquets. And he's not really like a midfield dictator like a Xavi. And yeah, so what is he? I th- he's just like someone who kind of maybe like... He's box a, to box. He's a, he's a box to box, yeah. I, I guess I think you have to pair him with someone defensively sound, but also someone who can create and pass like a Kroos and Modric and Casemiro, which is, I think, part of the reason why he looked good today. He was... He wasn't doing the deep defensive duties, nor nor was he relied on to create, but he was just kind of this important engine, um, which to me I think is it's it's better to keep him out of the anchor role for that reason, because he can he can do things like drop drop and and put in that last ditch tackle and or or win the ball high up the pitch, um, so he's kind of in between all of this, all like not yeah, an anchor so- but not a not an attacking midfielder. Not quite exactly central midfielder, but just a box-to-box midfielder who can who can do a bunch of things. I I mean I could see the double pivot role, you know, being yeah, you know, him being like kind of almost like kind of the Hedira like you know, Hedira type role that we had in like Mourinho's system. Um, you know, him kind of playing that where where it's like he's not required to always sit deep and like constantly like you know protect the the gap in between defense and midfield but he can shoulder the defensive burden alongside Kroos it's just on his half of the pitch and he still has the freedom to burst forward you know and and make things happen with this run so yeah I mean it's interesting um I like I think we saw versus Atletico there's limitations to playing you know that midfield with Valverde but as we saw in this game if if the pace is more frenetic if we're relying more on 50-50 duels if we're relying on someone to cover so much ground, you know, I think it can work to really good effect. So he provides a different option for Zidane. Um, but yeah, like I, I hope to see, just because of the types of opponents we generally face, I hope to see, I think, Hamas and Isco getting some time there with Valverde being that secondary option. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and overall, I thought, again, he was just, he was really good. There was there was moments in this game where I actually like physically applauded some of his some of his efforts and ball retention like it was just just phenomenal like one of this one of the moments that really stood out to me was he makes a run into the box off the ball and the ball doesn't really get to him or it's an attempted pass that is picked up so then he makes up for it 
uh, even though it wasn't his fault. He just he just tracks and wins the ball, and uh, th- that's the kind of player he is. I think. Um, some random thoughts. I don't like talking about the referee. I thought there were a bunch of times in this game where he called a foul, and I was like perplexed as to how that's a foul. And then there were off. There are other times where he called a foul where I just I was you know I thought it was clean and vice versa. The bail penalty shout in the first half. I didn't see anyone speak about this. Mind you, I don't really check stuff during the game. Uh, that was a penalty, right? Can you remind me which 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 moment you're talking about? <laughs> so there's a cross coming in from the left. It's like a uh, a low hanging cross. Bale beats his man at the far post and is about to get to it, but then is kind of taken down and he's kind of clipped at the heel. Uh, they re- they reviewed it on VAR and they said no penalty. Oh, I okay, okay, yeah. I remember that. Um, yeah, I remember that now. I was like watching the Spanish commentary on Bean. They were also like no penalty. Um, it was the way I put it was like I don't know. It just didn't seem I. It didn't seem clear and obvious. Like if I saw it in real time, I would give it as a penalty if I was the referee. But looking at it replay, I can kind of see how there was some doubt in the sense that like, was it Bale who kind of threw himself in front of that challenge? Or was it like the the defender that kind of like went out of his way to kind of knock him over? Like I could see there there being enough doubt to where like, you know, they were like, we're not going to overturn the referee's decision on the field. So I wasn't too mad about it. But yeah, I do think there were hints of a pen- like uh, of a penalty there. Yeah, I just thought he was he was definitely impeded, and if he if the defender doesn't intervene off the ball, which the ball was long gone, um, I think he gets to it. Whether he scores or not, I'm not sure, but it was it was just clear to me. That's all. I could be wrong. Um, wh- so, do we want to talk about second get- half chaos or? Before we do, I just kind of want because you mentioned like how Real Madrid's buildup was good in like mm-hmm. periods. I just wanted to like you know, just add to that a little bit. Um, Yeah, it was. And look, you have to look, still look at it in the context of like, this is an end-to-end game, which I think made it hard for Granada to set up defensively and organize themselves in the way that got them to this point in the table. But at the same time, like we took advantage of that without the ball, we took advantage of it with the ball. Like we were, we were sipping possession around really quickly you know it was it was a high octane game not just because of the way we were pressing and not just because of the way Granada were giving the ball away but because of the way we were moving the ball ourselves and you know that combined with the fluidity so like Hazard was moving in central areas a lot Benzema was moving to the left Kian like you mentioned Carvajal was coming inside Odrio Zola was constantly making really really advanced runs down the flank which often asked Valverde to come out to the right wing like a right back himself so like you had all these moving parts combined with the fact that we were zipping the ball around as fast as possible you know there were several moments where you know Casemiro of all people would just try to play these dagger balls you know behind the defense and try to find, you know, like Benzema being an advance runner, Bale being an advance runner. We were doing all these different things as fast as possible, but it just didn't give time for Granada to organize themselves in a way that I think would have made it very difficult for our midfield to break past them. And, you know, that just combined with the end-to-end atmosphere gave us these, you know, clear patterns through which we could progress the ball and enter the final third. At the end of the day, we didn't create that much 
from our from our like regular possession play, at, like not nearly as much as our transition opportunities, but it was still dangerous. And I was impressed at like because because it takes a lot of technical ability, you know, and a, a lot of understanding between the players to be able to play at such a high tempo and be able to retain the ball. So that that I was impressed with. The first half was basically a case of us capitalizing, you know, on the situation put put before us and basically adapting really well to the game state that we saw. So it's interesting how to build on that, how one moment can can change things. Like they're up 3-0. Granada are literally doing absolutely nothing. Um, they are completely tempered. Real just have everything under control. It's flowing. It's it's nice. It's efficient. It's good defensively. It's, it's good offensively. Um, there's a nice balance to the team. It's feeling good. Arola makes a mistake. Um, so what that does, and by the way, Arola, I'd say like this was obviously his first big moment where it, it was his big what WTF moment, and probably probably this was the version of Arola why PSG fans were happy to get rid of him. I'm not saying anything either way. I'm just pointing it out. But he his body language and his Comfort on the ball has been good the past few games. It was a third game now, I think he's played. I'm not sure. So he he's so comfortable with the ball, and there was a moment of nonchalance with what he did to the giveaway. And he ends up trying to kick the kick the ball. He kicks the player, concedes a penalty. From that moment on, Granada they get a spike. It's three one. They start attacking. Um, they start they start getting more comfortable in the final third. They start having chances. Um, German Sanchez from a corner uh, just before the penalty was really their only big noteworthy chance in the second half. Um, then Victor Diaz gets a chance in the box and they start to get some crosses in. Nothing crazy, but they start getting more comfortable, which relative to what they were, which was a zero, they, they got a little bit better. Um, I guess their biggest problem was that while they were feeling a little more comfortable offensively, they just became so vulnerable defensively and on the counter, where once Isco, James were on, and Casemiro and Odrizol mm-hmm. were winning the balls in midfield uh, and singing attacks, and Benzema Benzema also had that huge chance, by the way, which uh, Victor Ruiz, Ruiz saved. Uh, Ruiz Silva, sorry. Ruiz Silva saved. Um, great save. That That is goal like eight times out of ten, I'd say. Uh their defense just became so vulnerable that, you know, if they weren't going to score that third, um, they were going to concede the fourth. So there was a lot of chaos, and mm-hmm. thankfully, Hamas capped it. But what do you want to talk about the subs? Essentially, Hamas and Isco, because Modric came in early enough that we just kind of already talked about some of his stuff. But um, thoughts on Hamas, on Isco's return, first of all? Well, I mean, he wasn't really that good, if I'm being completely honest. He looked a bit sloppy, looked a bit rusty, but didn't surprise me. Um, he's been out for a long time. Um, I mean, has he? He has. He, did he feature before this game this season? Mm. I can't remember. I, I don't think he has. I mean, if he has, it's it's not been for for a lot of minutes. Um, Isco's yeah, I mean, last appearance before this was. The one one against Valladolid, where him and James played together. Yeah, right. So he had one start um, in the league before this game, and he had another substitute appearance. So I mean, including this sub appearance, that's a total of 105 minutes. 
I didn't think that he was that great because he had a lot of sloppy touches. Um, but I mean, it's expected, you know, like if we were to compare it to Hazard, who I think has had, you know, maybe enough time now to like not lose the ball every other time he has it, like, you know, it was, it was all right. Um, you know, I, I expect this goal to get better and, you know, I, he, he could be a very useful player this season, given, given how our midfield looks. And I'm, I'm excited to see him, you know, back on the pitch and, you know, getting some touches, getting that fitness in. Hamas, Hamas was good. You know, Hamas brought that incisiveness immediately. He kind of entered at the time where, like, the tide was shifting and he got space to, you know, start sparking attacks forward. And I think him just scoring the goal was just, it just capped it off, you know, really nicely. Um, and it just is really interesting to me how, Bale and James, two players who just look like they had no future left at Real Madrid, yeah. have been two of the key protagonists this season. Like yeah. it just shows you just how quickly things can change. And you know, it, this is Zidane, right? Like when he says, "I want two players out," and he says it publicly. Well, I mean, he didn't say it about James, but we knew that was the case. And he said it about Bale. Like he doesn't say these things flippantly, right? Like right. he says it because he means it. And the fact that this has all changed. It's amazing. I mean, you can never you can never be a hundred percent certain until something happens. Yeah, I thought what was interesting uh, with James and Yisko, I, I agree. I like his first. I think two out of his first three passes were really bad. One of them was an overhit through ball on the flank. The other one was a really risky pass out of the back that missed its mark, and Real Madrid conceded a free kick um, in a dangerous position. Then I thought he actually like relative like we haven't seen him in a while he's probably not match fit he had some nice touches he was involved in the counterattacks at least um and was involved in the build-up to the last goal for sure i think yeah it was the last goal and then before that as well james i thought was his energy right off the right off the bat was great um what -hmm. was interesting about james's role today was that he was essentially a left winger which i i don't remember if i've seen him in that role and if i'd have it's not often because he's usually central or on the right um, I've seen him play there with Colombia sporadically, but I think it was interesting because he was quite dynamic and mobile on the left. Um, he was winning the ball on the flank. He was combining well um, with with uh, with Car- Carvajal there, and you know, I just he was he was creating danger. He was he was quite good. Um, so that that's just one thing to to, to look out for. He's never going to play there on a consistent basis with Hazard there already. Um, but I, I thought it was at least interesting that one of his, you know, his, his first goal upon his return came from the left flank and he played well there. <sighs> yes. I mean, so I have, so like, I guess, you know, because I was kind of saying in the first half, like if Granada were more organized and it wasn't so chaotic, I think it would have been a little harder for us. I think the second half did show that a little bit, though it is hard to be definitive about that claim just because when you are 2-0 up, you know, the way you play changes. I mean, I think one thing we can say for sure is, like, it was a lot less chaotic up until when Granada scored their first goal of the game because, one, I think Granada had time to calm down and, you know, collect their heads, you know, and the manager could talk to them for 15 minutes. And, you know, like I said, we're 2-0 up. From our perspective, it probably makes sense to slow things down a little bit and control the game. 
I think I think Modric's goal though covered up the fact that we weren't creating a whole lot. Like so our XG spike in the first half was like almost it almost went up to two. You know, basically we were expected to score two goals in the first half and we did. We we scored from Benzema and then Hazard at the end. And then up until Granada's second goal, it like, like it hardly moved at all, you know. Um and I think you know, we, we did have some shots. Um, you know, our shot production was there, but, you know, they generally weren't from good lo- locations if, you know, we go back and look on it. And I think the Modric, you know, scoring kind of covered that up. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we, we we really did have trouble breaking Granada down when things became more organized. And then, you know, it became chaos again when Granada scored and, you know, the counter, counter started going both ways. And then we, our XG spiked again with that Benzema chance. And then finally with Thomas scoring. So, I mean, that was just a little interesting thing to look at. It is maybe how the game might have gone had things turned out differently in the first half. Um, but again, it's hard to say because us being 2-0 up also influences the way we approach a game. And we're less likely to take risks and, you know, speed up the tempo when you have that comfortable of a lead. So I don't really have many other notes on this game. Do you? Um, no, I think we've pretty much touched on everything. I, I guess the one thing I just got to say is like, if Kershaw had made that, you know, mistake, like he wouldn't be alive right now. Like, yeah, just the only thing I had to say. He would, he wouldn't definitely not be alive. Um, so you, I think it was you who was tweeting on the manager account that the difference between this mistake and that mistake, <laughs> Courtois' goals and Cedar is like he's just like left up to dry, like he was against Bruges twice. Um, and then this one was just an individual brain fight by Arola. I don't think... Anyway, th- but we know what you mean. Um, Atraf scored today again. Uh, and yeah, we got a was, bunch I of... think he got counted as an open goal at the end. Yeah, I think so. I, like after the game. I saw it too, and I was like, oh, it's not. it's kind of his goal, but it's not really... Um, there's just a lot of interesting, uh, things, uh, that we'll, we'll bring forward to the Lone Tracker podcast on Tuesday, which you have to be a patron to access. Um, any, any confidence in Sevilla getting anything at the Camp Nou tomorrow or you, have you already accepted defeat there? I, I never get my hopes up, like, you know, playing bars at the Camp Nou, especially because like. The main reason I don't is because it's teams like, especially Sevilla in the past, like wasting counterattacking opportunities. Yeah. I don't even think they're going to get that many counterattacking opportunities because like Sevilla just isn't like a great counterattacking team because they lack the personnel up front to, like, to be, you know, that good in transitions. Like Nolito is, he's, he's playing well, um, but, you know, he's lost a lot of pace. Luke De Jong, like I hate to be harsh, but like he's kind of useless. Yeah, um, up, to, up to this point, he has been. Yeah, yeah, and he's. I mean, he's. I mean, he's kind of a target man who definitely doesn't have a lot of pace. And when he gets in the box, he just kind of sits there. He doesn't move around a whole lot. Like, yeah, I mean, they're just not built to be a, a counterattacking team. Like, and the way Lopetegui plays, you know, he, his team plays best when they have control of the game, and you know, they can counter press, they can press. Um, can can they control the game against Barcelona? You know, I don't know about that. Um, so yeah, I think I, I just don't think like Sevilla against big teams this season. 
I don't think they're necessarily built to beat them. I think they're built to like dominate the smaller teams while lack like while lacking the quality to like enforce their style against the bigger team. It's tough. Um, I think Lopetegui's done well so far, but like in a way, Sevilla is like a poor man's version of like eighteen nineteen Madrid. I think with the lack of punch up top, that you know that that's probably gonna hurt them going going to the Camp Nou. But I have my fingers crossed. Lopetegui is still a Madridista in my heart, so. I got to hope that, that that means something against Barcelona. Let's see what Regulon can muster up to. I, uh, but I'm with you. I, there are two teams, Valencia, Sevilla. I don't even include Atleti in that list, three. When, whenever that showdown comes to the camp, no Barca versus Valencia, Barca versus Atletico, Barca versus Sevilla, everyone's like, ooh, match, match day of the weekend. <laughs> Got a two, this could be a title, title decider. This could be the day Barca drop points and, and Barcelona always annihilates them at the Camp Nou. It's, it's completely different if it's at the Mestalla, at the Pijuan, at the Wanda. Count me in. But at the Camp Nou, they all lay down and die. Um, Sevilla especially. Yeah, in Sevilla past. in the past have not done well at the Camp Nou. Uh, <clears throat> all right, let's do some patron shoutouts. Patreon.com slash Managing Madrid. Go there, get access to our Tuesday Loan Tracker where Matt Wilty and I review all of the players on loan from the weekend. We watch all their games. Uh, and then we do post-game shows for our patrons for the midweek games, Champions League, Copa del Rey, midweek La Liga games. Uh, and those are only over at Patreon.com slash Managing Madrid. If you want access, go there. Uh, shout out to these $10 plus patrons who get a specific shout out on the podcast. Shout out to Mikhail Nilsson, Frederick Sundros, John Fernandez, Said Mahad, Juan Balasia01, Adam Dorsey, Frederick Rantakiro, Leon Stavernakis, Christian Gonzalez, Bjorn Salvador, Essa Hariri, Ilian Zako, Yahya Ibrahim, Willie Reed, Nick Ribeiro, Eric Rogers, Tyler Simon, Sad Omar, Oluwapamimo, Oladunjoy, Christian Top, Charles Williams, Tark Sphere, Kunal Tilakar, Marin Myrtle, Raga Potluri, Vicky Cohen, Gary Kohut, Sujai Wani, Pena Maridista, San Francisco Bay Area, Brennan Stevens, Casper Muscala, Catherine Fagundo, Zoran Bosnich, Rafael Servia, Karen Scherer, Somanchu Singh, Brennan Powers, Ahmed Al Mayahi, Rovi Tahiev, Amy L, Anthony Armesto, Shabal Sharapov, Fabian Moreno, Varun, Bernard Kufour, AMB6901, Daniel Pinkney, Magnus Lex, Jason Fitz, Solomon Ortiz, and Philip Hammer. Thank you guys so much for your pledges and support. It means a lot to us. Omarvin, thank you for doing the show, my friend, and Halamani. Halamani.